Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Safina Society podcast. Uh, welcome back, everyone. It's been almost a year and a half since we've recorded in person. I have joining with me uh, Dr. Shadi, uh, Ilyas, and Saad once again. What's going on, guys? Waalaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Well, first of all, what's going on is that Moeen is finally got in his head right and moved back up north. There you go. First order of business. Up north. Yeah. Well, <laughs> still South Jersey. What are you talking about? <laughs> Start up old well, debates. Close. Yep, old close. Debates. He's like 12 minutes south of me. And I'm in South Jersey. <laughs> so there, there are people out of follow up that we have this debate about whether Central Jersey exists or not. Yeah. And epistemology, uh, one of our topics, uh, Where what is our source of truth? There has got to be a map somewhere uh, that's going to be decisive. And now the governor... You know, is he the source of truth? Literally not. Not. <laughs> <laughs> but we were on a roll for season one, season two, and then Moeen up and went and <laughs> left. Right. I almost and went to Texas too. That's that would you would be kicked off the podcast completely. But his life would be that. better anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you'd be saving a lot of money, and there are a lot of guys who move to Texas every two weeks. Someone new is moving to Texas yeah. to save on their income taxes or whatever. What is it? Income tax or property tax? Property In- tax. In- income tax. Property taxes. It's not as high as New Jersey, but yeah, income taxes. There's, there's no, no income. Tax. No income tax. So they're no all moving, tax, yeah. and they're going to these mega massage. But um, it's a lot of it. You know, I'm interested <laughs> to go check it out one day. It's nice. I did teach. Yeah. Uh, in Houston one time, Sugarland. It was nice. Like, you know, it's always warm, right? It doesn't rain a lot. I hate the rain. I hate warm. the winter. I hate the winter. Yeah. Right? If I get a winter, I need a white winter. I need to be all snow all Wait, the time. Doc, the have you way. always lived in Jersey, though? I've always lived. No, oh. I lived in, I lived outside Jersey for 10 years. Okay. Yeah. But uh, if it's going to be winter, I need to be snowy. Mm. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I, don't, I can't I, have this gray. It needs to be snow. Yeah, this gray ground. backdrop, blah, blah, blah. I can't do that, right? It, and especially with COVID and that, it really messed it's me depressing. up. It really messed me up this past, and I had to fight it, right? Like, with, you know, I do stuff to fight it, but it was really messed up. And not, to, not to throw my Texas listeners under the bus, but... You know, it's kind of it's kind of sterile out there. You know, like everything's too clean. You know, here we have some grit, we have some grime. Yeah. Things are a little bit dirty. Well, they, they, Real, it's a little bit realer, right? You know, well, Texas they, is a, parts a of bit. Where, yeah, H town. Well, true. the the thing is, in, if you talk about communities, not the parts that people are moving to no. from New Jersey. Well, not the parts that Muslims ever move to. Yeah, exactly. Look, if we talk about community, I've known Alex for like twenty years. Yeah. Right. And we were like fringe relationship. Like I know who he is, but we never, he's never <clears throat> talked until he moved up here, right? Yeah. But twenty years. Uh, Assad was is younger than me, but I went to school with your sister. Yeah. She, we we were on the MSA board together, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so I know him. Moeen, uh, you came a little bit later, exactly. right? But I'm yeah. sure we can find people back. Yeah. So it's organic here, right? Yeah. People, That's true. people have families that are long lasting. Same with Chicago. If you yeah. go to Chicago, people say, "Oh, I grew up with that guy. I grew up with that guy," right? Now Texas, it's all new. It's all like transplants. I mean, the the, what, the feeling I got when I went to Texas was look. It, objectively, it was nice. Even the massages and everything were nice. But it felt like exactly like what the saw the saying sterile. It's uh, mm. a bunch of people ran away from some place and meticulously plotted the <laughs> most perfect like masjid suburban neighborhood with a bunch yeah. of halal spots all perfectly cleaned and way, curated grass and you know it's it's yeah. it's like <laughs> <laughs> whereas like you know you go you know in the streets of uh 
uh, anywhere in in Jersey, and you know something's gonna happen. It's just poor, <laughs> Here, poorly planned and just not thought out. Well. New, New Jersey grew up organically around industrial centers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, if you live in a good neighborhood mm-hmm. in New Jersey, you still have like a corner store and places that are yep. walkable, mm-hmm. a deli. Yeah, mm-hmm. but here's my question: Like, I want to go visit Texas again. I got to see it, right? And hang out with the people there. It's but nice. but is there any Tissot orientation there at all? You got Qalam Institute. You got. Uh, is there I any mean, to self orientation? <laughs> you didn't answer the question. <laughs> We're here for direct. No. You know you're going to get railed. <laughs> no. Just kidding. I'm kidding to all the Qalam guys. I'm kidding. By the way, they're coming here this yeah. week. So yeah. may Allah reward them. So Allah bless those work. I think to me, they're in the lead right now. Them and Dar es Salaam, they've got the best work, to be honest with oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. But they got this huge center coming out in Texas. And that's what you could do with the space. We would never have that space here in New Jersey. Not even close. Mm-mm. Not even close. What we're going to have is little spots. Like we'll have a spot, an urban spot. We'll have a spot next to the masjid. We'll have another spot, maybe a little bit bigger for the seminary. <laughs> uh, and I need to find another word for seminary because I just I, you hate that maybe word. Muslim college. Khalas. Yeah. The Hindus in New Jersey have these huge footprint. Uh, like oh, yeah. facilities man they're ridiculous what? the hindus town edison bro the hindus right are building but you know you know how right there's there there's a there's been a bunch of indictments that just came down recently on one of those centers they're bringing people from india Slaves. yeah I remember and that, like yeah. paying them like literally 50 cents an hour or something ridiculous and telling them that they're doing a visa bili iblis but basically they're they're forcing them to into slave labor and importing importing slaves to to control well, to how is that legal it's how are not, they doing it legally though oh they're they're bringing them in an h1 visas because they have the artisan yeah the artisans uh, or whatever and they're really just using them to do like dirty construction <coughs> work and not paying them they pay them in India. That is so like no, I, but, I'm but, not that, but that organization, what is it called? BHS or whatever it is? BAPS. 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 That organization, is there government money here? Because they got properties like right on the turnpike, mm-hmm. right? Standing I mean, like overlooking the turnpike. Right they next got to where I went to elementary school. Humongous, a giant one. Yeah, humongous <clears> properties. <throat> BAPS. And I'm telling you, people underestimate this. This stuff brings in bad energy, right? This, this stuff is shit, man. This dark energy, right? Huge shit. Yeah. It, 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 just as there's nur, there's light, there's dark energy, right? And Listen, they're bringing that dark we, energy. We brought here. up, uh, you know, Dallas earlier. What's funny is along with like mega masjids, you'll just find like crazy mega like munders there. They have like, yeah, apparently like yeah. in Plano, which is like, you know, where, where uh, Yasser Qadis and Shaykh uh, Azhar uh, Subhadar's masjid, like they're, they're like over there, right? Um, uh, in Plano, apparently, there's like this whole area that some like big like bawa of theirs like this some some guru of like the hindus has blessed this area mm-hmm. and he's told the hindus like you know start buying up like plots of land so you just see like tons and tons of like <clears throat> hindus New Jersey, there. Baby. i mean e- even <laughs> That's even That's settled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently that area is like blessed for them uh-huh. according to like the the moon yeah. alignment or whatever so it's cursed um <laughs> you can call does, it whatever you want but is that yeah. blessing like overwrite like the native americans curse upon that land from prior <laughs> listen my my ecumenicalism if that's a if that's a word it it, it has the same limits as the quranic one right like <clears throat> jews and christians we live amongst each other we get along um and i don't like interfaith stuff but we could definitely be be friendly with each other and we have a common a commonality mushriks for what Mm. Like there's no there is there's no basis for this. There's no reason for us to. Here's my question. I don't want to be around it. When is Dallas going to become a swing state in the election? I mean Texas. Soon. Soon. Yeah. Well, that's going to end everything. 
How are the Republicans going to get elected? If we're going to be elections anymore. No, they're going to go straight Democrat eventually. Yeah. All the people, all the people that are fleeing the hellhole they created in California. Yeah. And they created it. Are uh, are flocking to places like Colorado and Texas and Austin. So we 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 got onto this crazy tangent about Texas because Moyena almost moved to Texas, right? Which would have been, um, you know, uh, disastrous. No, I'm just <laughs> but he moved back up, and now we're able to record again. Right, and hopefully we can get a cadence going again. Right, <clears throat> so that's the that's uh, you know the main thing that happened recently, that hopefully brings us back to uh, maybe something similar to what we are on earlier. Yeah, for people who don't know, we're together in a room now. Yeah, yeah. alhamdulillah. Yeah. Six feet distance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, while while this is allowed to happen with the windows open, eventually we'll have to like it'll become underground again. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going back to, they're going back to, I, I think they're, roll, they're going to roll back the, uh, the so-called freedoms that they rolled out. Oh, the, the masks. The summer. The masks, oh, the masks are coming back for sure and lockdowns <clears throat> probably will follow. Because of Delta. Sure. It's well, here's the thing. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Listen, when it comes to the mask, there is one point that I am a bit happy about it for. Like, who would have ever imagined? And Allah says, if you have taqwa, he comes, he brings a way out from you where you least expect it. So sisters in niqab, they fought through it. They got mocked. They made laws against them in France. Who would have ever imagined that their solution would come out of a lab in Wuhan, China? <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Is not the, is, it, is niqab an issue anymore? Um, in it's France, still like I think it's it is. still like illegal in France. In France, yeah. everything. Okay, is an issue. but you can get away with it. It's right. illegal in France. It's also illegal to walk around certain places, or it was, without a mask. So yeah. put yeah. two and two together. How are you yeah. going to do that? Right? Yeah, you can't enforce that. Right. Yeah, you can't. It's not enforceable law. But mainly, nobody today is shocked when they see someone's face covered. Like the oh yeah, your yeah. eyes are not shocked. Our eyes have seen it so many times. Yeah. It's chalas. It's complete normal. My, right. my wife's uh, method of masking almost exclusively has been niqabi. Yeah, yeah. It's easier. Yeah. She just pulls her with the other across. back of a hijab. Yeah, right. with the rest of her hijab. Yeah, pull so, up that Trump clip where he was like, "It's so easy." If they want to do it, let them do it. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna go over there and fight people for that. <laughs> but it is uh, uh, to me that's one of the positives of the mask. So I don't mind. I hate wearing the mask, but I don't mind that. <clears throat> Sometimes you know you don't want to talk to people. Just right. put it up. Just put on a mask. Right? <laughs> I don't talk to people. Like your neighbors. <laughs> I already don't do it. So, yeah. <laughs> coming back to uh, the the episode here, one thing. So, what 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 I wanted to get us all back together and and, you know, and discuss is we rec- started our first episode. It's been almost I think five, it's been almost five years since you know since we started. We started in 2016. It was a few weeks before the election of Donald Trump, which is kind of a the, fo- the, the point that I remember uh, is when Lawyer we started. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get canceled. Why? I just made a joke about him being dead because he's not on, and he's not on social media. Yeah. <laughs> is he coming back? He's No. Unlikely. Is it permanent? Facebook had a, no, Facebook had a, had a meeting of some special like committee that they <laughs> decides these things. Yeah. The Politburo. Yeah. And they, they, uh, they, they, they said he's got, he's, it's three years. He's got a three-year ban on Facebook. So Which, he can't run. When does that end? After he can't run for president in 2024. Oh, so I'm they, sure it's coincidental. Oh, yeah, okay. it could be It could be two years on good behavior. <laughs> no, it's right. three years, mandatory minimum. What about Twitter? Uh, I don't know. They'll probably never let him back. But, but three years from the day that they canceled him. No, I think three years from when they made the decision. Okay. It's going to run into election season, whatever it is. So he's not, how are you going to run for president without Twitter account? Or Facebook. 
or Facebook account. He's, he's not gonna, he's gonna have to do. He's gonna have to do that weird, uh, no rhythm white guy dance on, that he was doing. He's gonna be on, <laughs> to, he's gonna on be TikTok. On Telegram. He's yeah. gonna be on TikTok <laughs> doing weird dances. The Chinese, since he's a Chinese plot or a Russian plot or whatever, TikTok will let him go on. <laughs> oh no, wait, he banned TikTok, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so the funniest thing is, you know, TikTok didn't exist five years ago when we started recording. Did it? I don't think so. Was it, it was called Musical.ly? Musical.ly? Yeah. It was called Musical.ly. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, <clears throat> China propaganda is always been so, so the funny, so because it's been five years, the first episode that Dr. Shadi and I had recorded in his office, the, the topic that Dr. Shadi had spoken about was epistemology. And, you know, what the, the de- defining where exactly we get our knowledge from. And today I'd like to take the time to revisit the last sort of five years and to think about all of the things that have changed culturally, uh, socially, you know, really even uh, emotionally and spiritually in the world, so to speak, because, you know, things like Hajar, you know, basically closed down and and, and talk about what uh, what things that we discussed before. And I think what the main thing that I'd like to talk about is is, is the points of Aqidah that we used to stress on and what it means to be a Muslim. And why those things, you know, are those things, do you guys believe that those things are still as important as we talked about back then? More important, less important? Uh, and just reflect on the last five years. So, I mean, somebody let's uh, open well, the floor here. I think it's more important, um, and mainly because what I think about it, the people who are 10 years old, in 2015, they're now, what, like 16 years old, right? There's always new people. So something may have gotten old for us. We may have talked about something 10 times, but for them it's new. It's right. the first time, right. right? And they're being you know, inundated you know, at even earlier ages with the identity you know, ideas, right? That well, your identity is what you define yourself to be. That's what the ultimate truth is. How you feel is the ultimate truth. That's really essentially what's being peddled. How you feel is the ultimate truth, right? Uh, or how, you, in what ways you're a victim is your, that's your number one defining thing, right? Now, in some cases, that may have some more validity than in others. But this idea and concept of introducing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence and the validity of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he is real, the Prophet, peace be upon him, we have record of this, right? <clears throat> and that his promises are true. Uh, to me, it's more than ever. But I have a different, a little bit of a different take on it. That it doesn't necessarily the, the have to be so rational. It really needs clean hearts, and it needs light in the hearts. And that's why I'm much more a proponent these days of a lot of ibadah and dhikr and du'a, because this is really about no matter how much knowledge you have, if you're inundating yourself with with music and movies constantly, constantly, right, and clips, you're darkening yourself. No matter how much truth you read on a piece of paper or you tell yourself that it makes sense, right? And we're getting sort of serious here because I don't know, when I'm ever with you guys, I always go off the cuff and get unserious. But now we're actually talking about something serious. No, it's, it's, I mean, right? Aqidah is an extremely serious point. I yeah. think people have to do a lot of ibadah. End of time is not about reason, right? It, of course, knowledge is huge, right? It's more about the state of a person's heart. You have to put a lot of light. That's why we have now Dhikr Night in the Masjid twice a week instead of once every other week. It's two times a week. That's how much I think we. it's it's a spiritual struggle. Because once that Dhikr settles into your heart, you can know what's right and wrong in, in terms of these big issues. You know, I think, we, I think we, we probably mentioned this in that episode or one in that season, but 
the the fact is that a lot of this information is not doesn't qualify as knowledge at all right anything all this stuff that's actually darkening your heart and weakening your iman has nothing to do with it's not knowledge it's not mm-hmm. what we would consider island right mm-hmm. this is just garbage information and if anything it's like uh, haram knowledge right or mm-hmm. like right, iblisi right. knowledge so it's, it's dark vibes yeah stuff. i mean there's 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 prof- we, and i know we've said this, this is a cliche but there's professors that could uh you know run circles around most ulama and they're just dirty kafir right so what is it what is it like and i mean that i don't mean that like they don't make istinjat although they don't but i mean like dirty <coughs> as in their whole program is to undermine islam and mm-hmm. undermine iman and kids hearts that are in college mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. So we've all had one of those. Yeah. yeah. So so what what does it matter if people know a lot of stuff? Yeah. What matters is what you're doing mm-hmm. and how how strong you are with Allah. It's like the 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 older the the story about the older woman and uh, was it uh, I don't remember who the scholar was, but that he had a a, a, a hundred proofs for the yeah. existence yeah. of God. Yeah, Razi. He had hundred proofs for the existence of God, and she's, the old woman said. You that means you have a hundred doubts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the Tajjal does not come to kill the Muslims. He doesn't come to kill Muslims. He's inviting them to a wonderful economy with beautiful, you know, lands, with cures, with wealth. That's what he's inviting you to. He's not coming to kill the Muslims, right? But if you accept his call, his call involves everything that destroys your heart. Right? So Dajjal is not coming with some kind of, you know, uh, war. You, even though the malhama is part of it, but that's not what the jad comes with. He comes with glitter and glitz and happiness and or, or, or claims of that, right? And then he destroys your heart, takes the iman right out of your heart. So we're talking here about something that. And by the way, you know, I had a, a cold call because you know the number, MBSC we have a, like a hotline number, anyone could call it, and it reroutes and I pick up from my phone, and this brother was talking and he gave a good talk. He gave me a talk, essentially, for about 35 minutes. He, he said a lot of good things. There are people out there who are not stupid, right? There are people out there who get it, that this issue is about purpose of life, and it's about what happened to our hearts. And are we letting this, and, and young kids, music is not even an issue. I'm telling you, forget fatwa. Forget halal and haram, right? It's going to destroy your heart. That's it. I'm not saying like, Every single note that you hear is on your way to destruction. No, I'm saying especially certain, the whole culture that's around that, what you see when you open YouTube, and that whole culture, right? It's You never see somebody spiritually guided who engages in that stuff either. People ask me, what about Hadar Haram? You also never see the Quran settling in a heart and pop music, you know, pop that type of pop culture coexisting in their hearts one or the other music culture and pop culture has become increasingly pornographic too mm. which yeah uh, so let me back up just a little bit because uh, I want to frame this discussion uh, just a little bit so Dr. Shadi mentioned a couple of things he, he mentioned the Dajjal right and I want to come back to that just a little bit but before we do uh, I want to talk specifically about the idea of spirituality and the spiritual protection that is over the ummah and really the earth. Because you know, we, we had a, a talk uh, at the masjid uh, with Mufti Azimuddin mm-hmm. of, a few days back, last Jummah. And, and one thing that he mentioned is that because of the fitna of COVID-19, certain things have stopped happening. 
certain people that came to Masajid, for example, in Eid, no longer came to Eid last year and this year. The doors of the Haram are, by you know, by all for by all definitions, pretty much closed to everybody outside of Makkah. Um, not, and and additionally, things like we have six feet dif- distance in the salah, the shaitan passes through. We have you know we're we're really pray, pray, praying a salah that's not you know it's sure we have maybe a necessity, but we cover our face. And you know it's not what we usually pray. Now there's all these things that have occurred over the course of the last year and a half, and then on top of the fitna before that of you know this social media and the political sphere and the things that are happening in the world, the all of these things have spiritual effects. Mm-hmm. And I want to tie it back to to something you know we talked about with regards to aqidah and 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 how this spiritual protection is weakened. Right, because you know we things like the the haram being closed, things like uh, and so, although people may have increased in their individual ibadah, yeah. right at home, for example, a lot of people said that last year when they were at home and they prayed taravi at home by themselves, it was great. I mean, I, I had a fulfilling Ramadan; it was good, alhamdulillah. And people did increase in their individual ibadah most of the time. I mean, tarawih at home is better, right? Right. <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's not false to say that. Certain people that left the masjid, unfortunately, didn't come back, right? For whatever reason, even if they have, for example, a medical reason, whatever it might be, they're not back, right? This is a practical reality. And there's, there's practical, you know, uh, there, there's spiritual realities to those, you know, physical realities. And, and so you brought up the Dajjal. And so I'd like to talk about the fitna, not just of Dajjal, because, you know, it's, why do you believe that we are in the end times now, mm. right? If, the, if, it, if it is the case, um, and, and, and how have things changed over the last five years that mm. seem to indicate to all of us here that things seem to be getting worse? Well, it's always things are always shuffling, right? Like you said, certain individuals, if Allah has a plan for them, they're doing great, right? But if we look at the majority, and that's what Imam Haddad said, he said the good time is a time where the bulk of the people are doing well. And a bad time is a bulk of the people are doing uh, are are not doing well, and the force field around us is just getting weaker. And the force field is created by nur, and that light is established every time someone remembers Allah. And when you have hundreds of thousands and billions of people remembering Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, for example, in Ramadan or in Hajj, that force field gets stronger. But it is a force field, and every time someone does. Human, doesn't matter. We're talking Muslim and non-Muslim. Does something blasphemous against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're putting a hole in it. When you put a hole in it, and that darkness comes in, right? It's almost like the um, uh, the, ozone, the ozone layer, right? But in this case, you, it, the ozone layer isn't just sitting there for you. You have to build it. You're going to build it with your dhikr. And when we have a, a great decrease in getting together, you have a great decrease in the power of the dhikr. Is the power of dhikr is not just one plus one plus one, right? In that case, uh, doing it together or doing it at home is the same thing. No, it's not. When you bring people together, it amplifies. It becomes stronger, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's ibadah becomes stronger. We strengthen one another because when I see you and I'm feeling a moment of weakness or laziness and I see you and someone maybe is praying for uh, their son has a disease, it's inspiring. So you're like, okay, I'm going to do that too. Right, I need to be like that. And someone staying an extra ten minutes, or I'll stay an extra ten minutes. I was about to get up, but there's, you know, someone is staying. 
So, you know, we continue to stay. And then I influence someone, a third person to stay. And then all of a sudden, you know, later to Qadr, we're, you know, last 10 nights, we're going till 3 a.m. instead of 2 a.m., the planned 2 a.m. and then go home. No, people end up with 3 a.m. So we strengthen one another. The Prophet said, like a building. Right. It pressures, like when you make an arc, an arc, it pre- it's all pressure, right? Uh, the bricks pressure each other. So that's exactly what's, uh, what we, we lost out on the last year. And there are people who, you, you didn't see them anymore, but there are also people who, now just you know to look at the bright side of things, the online element reached them, right? Yep. They were maybe too nervous to come to the masjid, but not so nervous to open up a, a, a link, right? And that happened. And I've seen people who... That's their case. Mm-hmm. They would have been a bit timid about going to the masjid, but link after link after link after link, right? All of a sudden, they've changed, right? So there is a positive to it. But overall, if you look at the stuff that you know would have been blasphemous five years ago, it's normal today. And that's which is blasphemous today, it makes your head spin. And that's another way that Ibn Mas'ud said you could judge an age. You could judge yourself. If something that you did today, you would have said to yourself, oh, five years ago, I would have considered that haram. He said, you're not in a good state. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but if you do something today, right, that you, you would have said to yourself, oh, in the past, I would never have had a problem with me doing that. But today, I don't do that anymore. Right? Or, you know, then you're doing better. Right. Or something like ibadah, an amount of ibadah that you do now. That in the past, you're like, I would have never imagined myself doing that. That's yeah. a sign that you're doing better. So if we look at, this, uh, at the social, the public space, the stuff that's going on being said is so absurdly, like mind-bogglingly, you know, kufri, that it wouldn't have been said five years ago when we started this stuff. Yeah, right. and, and bad stuff was being said back then. But for example, I mean, uh, Muslims in positions, for example, sharing the crescent with, in, on an LGBT flag. You know, you, you saw that stuff. People were, were provoking back five, ten years ago. It no one was serious about that. But now you got it. Muslims putting it up shamelessly. Then come to the masjid as if nothing happened, yeah. right? So you have that stuff. But I choose, I have to say one more thing before we move on. Uh, I choose to take a different take these days because when we started, we were from the very few people who were refuting this stuff. Now I think the refutation world is just like it's out there a lot of people are refuting and i don't need to do something that's being done by other people there's not a use of time so we do it every once in a while but what i'm doing is focusing on individuals and 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 advancing ourselves spiritually right right, right, right. Absolutely. and and also unity with the ummah right i hope no one was think thought i was really upset with the column guys like i love the column guys right our a question though two podcasts ago was uh, with was Sheikh uh, Mikhail yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. no I seriously think they're in the lead like yeah. they're them and, and Dar es Salaam who's not online in Chicago when you look at their stuff I really think they're in the lead they're doing their amazing job whatever money they get when they come though, they should break Safina off like that <laughs> <laughs> question though just, just do the right thing though. question though Doc yeah. do, do you feel like there are more people now refuting some of these things that we're seeing today than there were in the past uh, when, you know, for example, when we started and, you know, we were calling out some of these things. Do you feel like it's increased or or proportionately like the other stuff has increased? Like the stuff that we see now is happening 
has uh, it's both has, has increased. It's both. I I do think there are a lot. It's very common right now to hear from like regular imams, you know, decrying this thing, and regular people too. Yeah, like you know, talking about this stuff and saying like, look, we got to make a decision. Are we Muslim or not? Like, you can't support the opposite of Islam. Like, right. You can do it as a sin. Right. You can't support it and say I, I I hold it up like a badge, right? Of honor. So I'm seeing a lot of people do this. Even people who are semi-religious, but they have sense of what the deen is. Right. I just had a you know person come up to me, um, you know, talking the same talk. Like they're just regular Muslims. They're not into scholarship or anything. They just they have a common sense that if you're a Muslim, you can't support certain things. As simple as that. You got to pick one. It used to be obvious. Pick a yeah. worldview. Used to be right? obvious. Right. I, yeah. I also feel like that's also a function of. Um, lines being crossed that people have set for themselves that once they're crossed it's like now it's gone too far right so maybe five years ago some of the things that were going on didn't cross a lot of people's lines right Mm -hmm. but now five years later or six years later what have you it's like you see even an advancement past those original lines and so people you know by and large once they they reach like an adult stage you know, they're pretty level-headed with respect to how progressive their opinions get, right? Yeah. They tend to get more conservative over time. Mm-hmm. And so when things, when society starts going even past what they considered okay, they're like, whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes. Like, we need yeah. to we need to reel it back a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we're seeing a lot more now amongst, you people know, see, like yeah. you said, common folk and, and people that are just on the street coming up to you. Yeah. yeah. And then that's why I also think it's so important to promote unity amongst Muslims. It's not just like you believe, you have to promote it, right? Because the numbers are not, in America, their numbers are not even close. Like we are such a little speck, right? And when you're a little speck, you can't afford to be everyone going off on their own thing, right? Right. I I, I mentioned on, you know, we have a little podcast group in in which we were discussing some stuff. And some months back, you know, I I mentioned something and something Dr. Shadley said, it really hit me is, you know, we we mentioned this idea of, you know, that this, the the podcast used to be, you know, five years ago, sort of this uh, venting session, but with Mm -hmm. for us, right. And over time, you know, it's, we did so much of it, you get tired, right. And Dr. Shadley, you know, actually, he he made a statement, you know, what if you don't feel like venting anymore? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that really hit me because it's like, it's true, you know, that over time, you become really tired of seeing so much fitna and fahisha and so much stuff out there right that you're just like okay it's it's exhausting mm-hmm. yeah. and so i i'd actually like to uh, take it in in not in a different direction but i'd like to bring something up which is which i found really interesting i, I read it as so I, I actually finished a uh, good book it was called the coddling of the american mind uh two author one of the guys name is jonathan Bate. i can't remember the other guy's name now um but in it he he mentioned something interesting and, and i think it goes back to the start of when our podcast came up um so the cell phone came out uh, the, the smartphone was released the iphone was released i think around 2008 um oh seven Oh seven, but so but the app store didn't exist, and you couldn't get apps and all that stuff. It, yeah, it didn't become like, like a at the time, yeah, yeah. It, it, you couldn't really. It wasn't like really out in the market, yeah. and everybody had it. It became a very popular thing in two thousand eight, right? And the funny thing is that's that's the year that I first started undergrad, two thousand and eight. And I'm dating myself here at this point, but uh, um, two thousand eight, two thousand twelve. That was like the class of students that uh, graduated with the first. Uh, smartphone, but it was in its like primitive state. Uh, internet was still a little bit slower, and that was that's actually like the demarcation line between millennials and Gen Z, 
right? And so what came afterwards, which is basically 2000, so any, any, any stage after 2012 to 2013, all the way to 2017, is the first year, is the, is the first batch of students that graduated with the internet and a smartphone in hand, mm-hmm. right? And that, that demarcates the Gen Z sort of sphere. And, and 2013 to 2017 is really the core turning point of like the world, right? And, and look, I don't want to throw Gen Z under the bus. It's not their fault, right? But it's, it's this idea. It, it's what happened in that time. And one of the key things that happened was sort of the, the growth of the internet, the growth of the smartphone and being able to carry this technology with you at all times. And you, and you see that even within the Muslim uh, youth, right? These issues about uh, gender, LGBTQ, feminism, you know, even uh, atheism, these types of things spread in that time period, right? And that's when we really started recording the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Around 2015, 2016. Yeah. And that's where it was like, you know, we, we saw this coming, right? And go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I, you are 100% right. You know, the, the first big mistake was making literacy widespread. And then as bad as that was, right? Most people wouldn't bother to go read anything because right. you had to go get a book and open it and find the part yeah. that you wanted. But you with the advent of the internet system. and smartphones, like people just they snip out mm-hmm. a few words yeah. and they give it to you know midwits <clears throat> who will go ah I learned something and now I'm cool mm, and yeah. I'm uh, I'm smart and everyone. I'm yeah and I'm special and I care about people and I'm I'm helping or I'm actually a victim of this, mm-hmm. which almost every single demographic can find some kind of victimology to you know adhere to so yeah it's the 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 problem was too much literacy and then combine that with snippets of information being provided to these half literate people and here's the thing when you talk about uh technology every technology all it does is super amplifies what's already in people's hearts Mm -hmm. right not what's in their minds it's what they feel and what they want to do because people do most people do what they feel not what they what they believe most people right and it takes a lot of discipline and it's not natural the reason is not like it's it's a learned thing and knowledge and evidence it's a learned thing it's not a natural thing that's just going to happen and then you you control your your actions based upon what you know is right yeah as opposed to what you feel right well these platforms often um encourage knee-jerk reactivity right which inherently is rooted in your more emotional side of uh you know of your brain right so it's like a a quick take on something right you're not necessarily thinking it through parsing it through reason and ration it's just like i see i've seen something i have this visceral reaction to it now i need to put that reaction out there immediately well here's here's one of the reasons why i sort of went on a down um like trajectory in terms of venting right i'm different from you know moeen and sad and alex in the sense that every single day, every from morning to night, I'm dealing with people who are trying to benefit themselves. And when I, much earlier on, 2012, 13, 14, it wasn't that much, right? Because the circle was small, it was tiny, and we were just scrapping to just do something. But once you started, and it was a lot to do with this podcast, a lot of people, both online and on site, they're developing. And that's the side of things that I, that I think every imam probably sees, right? But if you're, especially if you stay in the same spot, you see it. You see people developing. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Right. And you see people, like, like after COVID, I figured we got to, you know, when the stuff started to open up again, I made a thing from 4 o'clock all the way to Isha, 
I'm going to have a message to take office hours, right? And people come in not to talk, to chit chat, but to, to study, mm. to study something like different texts, right? And we do that, whether it's converts learning how to pray or people reading texts in fiqh, right? Or Arabic or tajweed or whatever it is, right? And I found like the, the schedule's overbooked. It's like every single day from four to 10, there's something going on. And I'm like, subhanAllah, people, we talk about this stuff and we forget Allah is greater. And speaking of, you know, the you know the tech expanding what's already in your heart. In this period of time, a lot of kids got onto the scholarship through tech game before I did, or seen, I should say. And I remember that there was a text in Madaki Fiqh that I didn't have. And I went to the I went the old way of doing it and and I found an old like PDF image that was scanned, right? Of the text, and I'm trying to read through it, right? And this young little Hanafi kid, right, from a daughter loom in New York, he says, oh, you, are you looking for this, right? And then he sends it to me, and it's like in a searchable format, right? <laughs> and I'm like, where the heck do you get this? And you don't even, not even your madhab, like not even your tradition, right? Then I realized, these kids, they use the tech for what they loved, yes. right? And Allah Ta'ala will always have his awliya who love him and he loves them. They will always exist. And that this is the big difference if you keep with the jama'ah, you will see this and you will see the sign of Allah's power that yet despite that, so many people are going one way and other people are going the opposite way and fast too. And here's the thing. I always thought, how are these kids surviving with this tech, right? How They're not married. They have no experience with it. Yeah. How are they just not, this tech not destroying them? Yes, granted, a lot of people are being destroyed, but not everyone, right? Some people are real. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are really benefiting from it, right? I mean, we got in in front of our own two eyes. In 2000, when you were living here, right? I'm not sorry to say this, but I'm okay. I'm not going to say names. I've already said names before. What? <laughs> you might want to edit that out. But there was a young man, which you all know, who was coming to MBIC around that time when we started the podcast to learn how to read the Quran, right? He's given lectures in Arabic now at conferences, right? Inshallah. At conferences. His sheikh is taking him around to give lectures in Arabic. He sends me his summaries now, right? Just as a way for him to review. He sends me his summaries from Egypt in Arabic, right? Full Arabic. He's got a library now 10 times the size that I ever had, right? Of all, Arabic books. All PDFs? No, no real no, thing, no, no, right? No, it's all searchable PDFs. I know, right? mashallah. Yeah, and, and they're introducing me to, to, to young scholars like them that are in tech, that you can reach them through technology. And so we're seeing this, and when you see this, you realize, wait a second, this we've underestimated Allah. People will get through this. Of course they And they are course. getting through this, right? Of course, right? 100%. And so it may, gives you so, makes you so optimistic, and you're like, let's build on that. Well, right? even, I think... You, I heard it from you that even you know the one of the greatest of generations is the generation of the Mahdi, right? That's the greatest. So, so like I second mean, greatest. Se- exactly. So, like I mean, you can think, oh, you know, times are bad. Times are, well, and when the Mahdi is around, times are going to be really bad. Yeah. But they are the you know one of the second greatest greatest generation. Oh, so, so we're pretty far from that then. I'm. Not, <laughs> <laughs> how, how? <laughs> it's going to be a minute. <laughs> But he maybe he's the one who makes them great. Yeah, that's true. Right? I'm I'm just being yeah. facetious. There's there's I'm I'm sure that by the way this can happen in one generation like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. 
And because when Allah Ta'ala comes with the truth, it com- it rises really quickly, yeah. right? And then it lasts a long time and goes slowly. Where Whereas kufr, Allah doesn't help it. Yeah. It rises very slowly and then it collapses really quickly. In fact, the greatest generation of Muslims was born out of a pagan society. Yeah. yeah. See, for me to actually sit and think, I need to have my cell phone off. I have to have the second computer. I can't have the, uh, the internet computer. I can't think, right? With all these, just like having mice crawling around the house, right? With these things. So it's amazing to me, the generation growing up with this, how they have any focus whatsoever. They have, a, they, they, uh, Allah Alam, right? I'm not, a, I'm not a cognitive scientist, but I think that a lot of these kids that we're complaining about, they have ADD. Mm-hmm. They may actually be coping in, in, in ways that are innovative and mm-hmm. being able to truly multitask, which a lot of cognitive scientists say can't really happen. Yeah. But I think, I think some of these younger people might actually be able to do it. Yeah. Um, where they're they're actually able to engage in several things at once and still have some kind of focus and some kind of uh, mm-hmm. alarm. Yeah. This uh, the excess with tablets now. I think it's actually they're so ubiquitous they're not exciting anymore, right? Like I've seen my kids in the past year go from wow, like we get get to go on the computer all day, right, to their tablets all over the house <laughs> and they could care less, right? <laughs> right. You know, well, I think also what's happened is some of these younger, younger guys who that that Gen Z sort of space that grew up, you Mm -hmm. know, in that 2013, 2017, they were in college at that time. I think they saw firsthand, especially as students of knowledge or growing around, you know, growing up around the masjid, they saw that too much of this stuff, you know, is harmful. Mm -hmm. And, And I think they learned to control their habits and control and, and, and understand how this stuff is be, can be used properly. Yeah. Whereas I think, you know, especially my the millennial generation, we were so enamored by, you know, modernism and liberalism and technology and growth and being a startup bro and all this stuff, Silicon Valley, all this stuff came out through the yeah. millennials, right? And so we were so enamored with it. I don't think they realized, you know, the, the millennial generation didn't realize the harms yeah. that some of this stuff is going to cause. And now, like, you see people going back and they're like, oh, man, we need to have conferences about, like, you know, eth- ethical, like, design <laughs> and stuff. But it's like, you know, they, now, but it's, it's all retroactive now, right? Whereas I think that the newer generation, and look, Granted, like I'm trying to be positive here because there's a lot of degeneracy as well. But but the but the the good that came out of it is very good. I read an article in the New York Times the other day about AI and ethics of Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. And I, he went on and on and on and on. I'm like, man, subhanAllah, the name of them. These people, they don't have a clue where ethic, uh, you know, where the ethics come mm-hmm. from, right? So how she asked, how did you f- make your ethical your ethics guideline, whatever? She right. said we took a vote. Of the staff, right? <laughs> yeah. right? A questionnaire from the yeah. staff. What values are important to you? Yeah. So well, naturally, the interviewer who has half a brain says, "Well, how did they get their values?" Yeah. Right. No one has a clue here. Right? I mean, that's how all secular morality originates. Yeah. Right. It's just social consensus. Yeah. There's no objective sense of right and wrong. It's just all subjective. What the society thinks is right and wrong, and you know, this is causing harm. This is not. That changes year to year, month to month. You know, yeah. and so that's what they base it on. So it's no surprise that they would get a committee of people in a room and be like, mm-hmm. "What do you think?" Yeah. And then come out with the guidelines before we break for for salah, which we we're have. we're basically going on Hanafi Maghrib here, which is <laughs> yeah. right which is ten like minutes midnight. before Aisha. <laughs> we could keep going for another hour. <laughs> um, I just want to say that this is this is more evidence that these like detailed discussions um, about 
where where the where they get their ethics from or where this comes from or what is your basis this is all like pointless right they're, they're waste of time they, yeah it's a waste of time these people don't have anything they, they don't they don't mm. have anything worth arguing about discussing about doing white papers having conferences presenting your papers at conferences Go get lost with all mm-hmm. of that like either submit to a law or submit to your nefs and that's mm-hmm. it yeah. like I don't want to discuss with you your mm-hmm. uh, you know your theories of knowledge when the ethics of, of degeneracy is, yeah. <laughs> like just give, there, give, it, give it a rest that, one of the things that uh, I did to, I felt like it would be really healthy and good for me to do was go back to teaching children in the masjid, right? So at a certain point in time, I felt like I was getting a little bit jaded from everything, especially social media and all that. Since so I'm not doing this anymore, I'm gonna go and set up hours and go teach the kids in the masjid, which I did. Now, one of the things that is a positive about all the extreme left, there is a positive to it, is that when you have some kids growing up on the fitrah and they have a family and they have a masjid and they have a holy book and they have a prophet and they have sacred things, right? Mm-hmm. And they see in the masjid, people look like normal people, right? Then when they go outside, right? Then they look at the way people are acting, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And it really makes a difference, especially when they're not the lone Muslim kid. That's a problem, right? But when they have like a community of 20 other kids, right? And 20 other families. And they realize we, we have good numbers here, right? We're, we're not weird or outcasted. We're, this is actually the norm. And then they see people, now that's the value of the extreme. Because the extreme makes the whole thing look like, you know, really bad to them. And I've seen them talking about this. Like, man, don't they have rules? They have no rules at all, Mm. right? Like, we know the Christians have less rules than us, right? But (laughs) they have no rules at all? Like, nothing's wrong for them? Like, how do you live like that? (laughs) And that's what what I'm saying. Like, when you're interacting with that, and you're like, subhanAllah, we're actually not going to lose this battle. We're going to win this battle. Because just from Uh fitrah, Fitra is still there, right? Yeah, and kids intuitively understand that through play as well because mm-hmm. games have rules, and any game that doesn't have rules just devolves into fun. chaos. It's not fun. It's not for anybody, yeah. right? So they intuitively understand why there needs to be boundaries and rules on things. Bro, uh, Holmes, Cat and Mouse, right, is what kids actually thrive on. No, imagine your, your parents said, okay, it's bedtime, and do whatever you want, right? How is that any fun? The fun is it's breaking the rules. Right. Yeah, there are rules. <laughs> if there are no rules, if there's no sense of balance that, no. oh, you can get in big trouble for this, or, oh, he's got in big trouble, or she got in big trouble, right? There's no sense of fun. I think we're going to have to go a little into yeah. a few time now. Yeah. This, this, this also creates in the children a lack of security. Mm. If they don't have rules, they feel mm-hmm. insecure. Mm-hmm. They don't know it because they're mm-hmm. children and they don't even have the capacity for the, that idea, but yep. they feel it. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and, that lack of security is what we also find in liberal, ultra-liberal, you know, unrule-based societies. Mm-hmm. Those people are terrified all the time, right? When you have a society where anything goes, mm-hmm. the, the, the people who are the proponents of that or the ones who are most committed to it, they end up, like, f- afraid of everything and incredibly afraid of death as mm-hmm. well, right? Which, like, the number of, like left liberal people that I talk to that won't even discuss the idea of death like wow. to them it's like I can't even talk about it wow. like it gives me anxiety I'm, so I'm, I'm, I don't feel okay so well I mean and that's and that's the reason why you see even there's a lot of like really left leaning people that are just still completely in 
abject terror of like COVID. Well, this and, is and the I'm not even, that and I'm, I'm giving, yeah. and, and, I'm, and I don't mean even mean like okay, let's just be safe. I'll give you an example that's that that was the, that I recently heard, right? If you if you have children playing, you know, it's snowing outside, and and you and it's a school, and the school teacher says, hey, kids, don't go near the snow because it's possible that you know somebody might pick up some snow and then that might lead to somebody making a snowball which might have a pebble in it which you might throw at a kid and that kid may get injured with that pebble and end up in the hospital Pull so my what, kid from that school so, what, <laughs> so so what we so instead of so what we do is you know just pull that kid away from all the kids from doing any sort of snow right as they say and and, and I read it in Guy Eaton says it in his uh, book King of the Castle the, the the easiest way to make everyone safe is to lock everyone up right then, then yeah. you'll be completely safe so there is this balance between uh safety and freedom right and i don't mean to go into that whole discussion but what i wanted to come back to is is the idea of rules that islam and and our deen has a actual standard for what it means to take risk right it, it tells us to tie our camel not break its legs right mm-hmm. like the, the, there's this idea of how we understand like there's a moderate level of risk okay like you can get in your car sure wear a seatbelt but have to walk. don't don't think that you're going to get into an accident as soon as you drive away right mm-hmm. because if you operate with that which many liberals do by the way at the you know with, with and you, as you can see with the covid stuff is you just live in abject terror Bro, and you can't move look at look at the next generation look at the kids right I'm looking and every other news story is about, you know, an athlete that drops out because they're feeling anxiety. That was just just uh, yesterday or today. Yeah, one, one of the oh, Olympic people. Right. She dropped out. She, she, she had a bad out. performance. Yeah. She got her lowest score in a long time. So then she just quit. Yeah, she she quit. didn't go to the finals. Her team ended up. Yeah. Yeah. But this is like it's the miles. number one ranked uh, gymnast Play. in yeah. the world. And her team went silver after that. They ended up silver, not gold, which they were expected to, to, to go she gold. she got anxiety? Because no, because she had a bad performance, and they said that she dropped out for mental health reasons. Like she, the pressure was she a lot. She got sad or whatever. Yeah. And, but the worst part of it is, social media was all that's so brave. It's good that you. That it's important that people know when enough is enough when it comes to these kinds of pressures, mm-hmm. especially women, because especially women are 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 so putting on a brave face and going going out. In but the, I thought they don't competition and stuff. <laughs> so it's especially important for women to do that. Like, can you imagine? If, Imagine if Scottie Pippen was like, mm. I missed that uh, shot. Yeah. Coach, I got to sit down. Take me out. <laughs> I'm I, I, can't, you. I can't play the rest Wait, of the game, Coach. So I'm, I'm so stressed. I, listen, listen <laughs> if, if, the reason, if, if the reasoning is that there's undue pressure in competition, then why compete? That's what competition is. Why compete at the highest yeah. level? That's, if, what, com- if that's, that's what competition is. If you can't yeah. take the heat, don't no. no. step. This, These are the gener- this is the first generation of competitive athletes that grew up in the you can't lose if you lose. Right. Nobody's mm-hmm. supposed to lose generation. Yeah. So they're, anytime they experience a setback of any sort, they're like, uh-uh, I can't handle this. Yeah. So the couple of points that I wanted to make about this is, I don't know if, if, if it's just me, but increasingly over the last five years or so i'm seeing more and more sort of emotional and sensationalist reaction to almost anything that is on the internet now right and it's become so charged that almost anything can be construed as traumatic Mm-hmm. As you know, uh, oh, it's anxiety-inducing. It's causing me mental health issues. It's mm-hmm. causing me this. It's causing me that. It's everything is is from like this victim 
mentality and uh, the oppression Olympics as we talk about, right? Everything, you know, you and, and you can say almost anything now and it's just construed, as, I mean, the words are violence now as well, right? Everything is just constru- is seen from this angle of victimhood. You know what's not violence? Burning down people's homes and businesses. Mm-hmm. That's not violent. That's literally, that's the argument. That's not violence. But this, yeah. saying something about an Olympic athlete who's making all kinds, that's, Dude. <laughs> Listen, you get to a certain point where uh, you start thinking we're not dealing with regular people anymore. We're dealing, you're dealing with cases. <clears throat> I mean, psychiatric cases. Well, I I'm mean, not, I'm not even kidding. So you have to just walk away. But right? how, how do you do that when like everybody, almost like the, the whole the whole population, like that's how it is. You stay my, <laughs> to myself. I really feel like you're dealing with uh, you know f- such fragility. That it's unbelievable. It's like okay, this is like beyond what I thought was going on. Like this is worse than than I thought was going on. So I'm I'm not even getting involved with this. I can't even like discuss have a discussion with you because there might be a breakdown. Yeah. When you reach that level, you walk away. Chalas, this, this game's over. This game is over, right? Tonal <laughs> 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 shift. The, the, the <laughs> It's, he's, Am I right? She's right. <laughs> Today we had a meeting yeah. about going back to work full time. Yeah. And they were talking about the dress code. And they were like, we're just going to rehash it. Blah, blah, blah. This and that. For males, it's this. For females, it's this. And I was I was getting ready to be like, dude, I'm, I need to identify as female because I'm going to start wearing a, a thobe out here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the guy goes, and if you're, uh, you know, gender nonconforming or non-binary, you can choose from either of these. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man. come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Why yeah. is this part of the corporate meeting? Yeah. And, and I mean, you work in a court, right? I work, in, I work for the government. It's crazy, right? Well, not all, the, the thing that's worrying to me, though, is that this type of language has also entered the, the Muslim sphere, mm-hmm. right? Like if you read like an old fiqh book, I forget what text I was reading. One, I think one was definitely what uh, something Shahzad shared with me from the Ihya. But there was another. Oh. There was another text. It was about the uh, the respect for the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? And like every other line was just like, "Oh, if you speak about this in this manner, you should be executed. If you speak about this in this manner, you should be executed." Was that a Maliki book? That was Qadi Ayad. I don't think it was Qadi Ayad, but it was some some text. I'm, I think it might be a Malik, Maliki text. But every other book, I mean, every other sentence was, "Oh, you, you say," and mind you. I, 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 some things I was just like, hey, have I ever done that? I need to think, think about this. You know? I mean, let me know. Because, <laughs> because it wasn't like, it wasn't things that you would consider egregious to most normal people today, yeah. right? Like most Muslims today. Like it was things like, I think we made, we've talked about this in a previous podcast. For example, if you say that, uh, uh, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to like, you know, a certain vegetable. And then a person remarks, well, I don't like this, you know. Yeah. No, you're going right? to get killed. Right. This, you know, in the, in the text, well, it's like, well, if you say That's that. That's not capital, is it? But it's like, oh. The, Lashes. It's like you should be executed. Yeah. Something like that. I, 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 no. it, it is called, yeah. The, the quote is that if it, it was about someone who said that the Prophet only preferred these foods because he was miskeen mm. and didn't have no, options, no. other options. <clears throat> right. And that that person should be executed. Mm. And that's probably right. Right. Yeah, I'm, because miskeen implies inability to earn wealth, right. not just not possessing wealth, right. which we say is maqam al zuhd. Prophet the, is at maqam al zuhd. The list is 100% right. It's stuff like anybody who refers to him as the orphan of, 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 mm-hmm. of, uh, 
of the Hashemites hmm. execute him. Anybody that says it, and they're right. I mean, these are, th- these are terms that that were especially, especially especially in the Omeyyad period, right? The Alit would sometimes take pot shots at Beni Hashem mm-hmm. and uh, no, not Beni Hashem at the at the Quraysh. Yeah, and uh, you know. The Prophet Lisa Tassan would would be caught in the would be yeah. caught up in that, and now, this is the same like famous, the shepherd who's mocked for being a shepherd. It says you mock me for being a shepherd, but the Prophet Lisa Tassan was a shepherd. Mm-hmm. That person should be executed. <laughs> <laughs> right. So but, here's but, here's the thing, that list, take the most extreme or the least most lenient, whichever one you want, it's never going to change. You can study it in twenty four hours. Yeah. Over. You could study in two hours. It's it's in a book this big, right? A very small book. It will never change. In other words, the list of things that we will ostracize, Muslim would be ostracized for, right? Ostracized out of life even, right? Whether it's killed or just muqtada, we stay away from you, we don't talk to you, we don't say, we don't return salam to the innovators, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... That was an inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> but the the difference between us or Islam and this stuff is that the list will never change. Right. It will never change on you. And you can go back to an evidence from the book and the Sunnah of why it is that way. Right. It's not that way because a jurist felt like it. right? And he was able to bully yeah. a bunch of people into adopting it as a, a norm. Our problem here is that we don't know where this is going. And it's never been this way before, so we don't know what kind of experiment, social experiment we're in, right? And on top of that, the immediate results are not coming out good. Everyone's have anxiety. Everyone's got depression. Well, there's, it's, this is literally, I, I, this is a perfect example for right now because people are starting to understand what inflation is in, mm-hmm. in, in terms of monetary, uh, in monetary terms. But this is inflation as well mm-hmm. because it's like hyperinflation, right, where a, a, a loaf of bread is 3,000 dirhams in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then you go back out at 5 p.m. and it's like 4,500. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going up and up and up. And you never know what you're going to pay for something. Mm-hmm. It's the same with these with this grievance culture. What's okay What's what's okay today and you can kind of say, tomorrow, you, that's no, it. You're done. Yeah. Now you're now you're, you're, you're a kafir of that mm-hmm. belief system. And next week... Mm-hmm. People who are making you a kafir are going to be themselves kafir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like to, what happened to, to the, the next revolution. crop. It always happens. Yeah. Right. And, and it's where we get to the point where you could have talked about social issues before, right? It'd be fine. And there'll be a little bit of a debate. Right now, it's not even worth it, right? You're going to get dragged down into so much, right? Uh, and there's going to be so much mudslinging, and they're going to come after you with pitchforks. It's not even worth it, you know? You ever play a game and like a fight breaks out, and then a second fight breaks out? At some point, you said, "This is stupid, right? I'm leaving." Right. <clears throat> but what I what I was trying to get to with with the, with the reference to the the text is, if you read old fiqh texts, mind you, you know, I think Saad and I were taking a tafsir class, and there are points of tafsir, just basic tafsir of the Quran. If you know modernist folks read it, you know, it's like they would have like an aneurysm. Well, so some of that well, you know, I often like, I often talk. I've said this to Moin, but would it be incorrect? To say that people's ignorance of some of this stuff is actually a protection on their iman. Because if they were to go deep into this and, and read some of the uh, some of the texts, they would literally say, I can't deal with this. As, if it's a fundamental of the deen, they got to be taught it. Right? Hey. Right. If it's like an opinion, if it's a commentary, then they don't need it. In fact, it would be a fitna for us to introduce that. And it's not a fundamental of the deen. 
Right. Like a scholar, no matter how he may be a noble scholar <laughs> with an excellent you know, um, the track record and everything, yeah. but he has his view of certain things within the halal. Right. Right? Within the discussion points. Why cause a fitna by yeah. introducing that? Right? It's not right. But if it's a fundamental of the deen, we, we're not going like, to, in gonna, your face, here it is. Right. Here, but we, we do have to address it. Right? Yeah. Like, we do have to discuss these I things. I mean, to, to return back to the first point of the pod, of when we started this morning, I mean, earlier today, literally, People today are Muslims are, are are taking positions like, well, we gay people should have rights and they should be treated kindly and they shouldn't be, you know, points some of which we might agree with, right? Like we shouldn't abuse people and you shouldn't, but they're 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 literally treating them with kid gloves, and still getting chastised mm-hmm. for not being like pro gay enough. Muslims practicing Muslims are mm-hmm. like, I'm trying real hard. To be really nice to you within the confines of this really important thing in mm-hmm. my life, which is my religion. Mm-hmm. And you are like, sorry, not good enough. I have a question. Why is it all of a sudden, and when did this happen, where we, strangers, to other people, all of a sudden got to be like caring about strangers, right? And caring about their zina. Yeah. You're like, committing zina. Any other, if, if, we have, if a dude is running around sleeping with a bunch of women... We would call him all kinds of bad yeah. things, and people would support us. But if he's doing it to a bunch of guys, all of a sudden he's like, uh, 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 he's he's something great. I can't tell it's you worse. I can't tell you how many times someone tells it. Oh, what about compassion? Okay, have compassion. Go get it from your mom. Go get it from your your your. Yeah. What do you have to do with me for? I don't even know yeah. you. Yeah. Right. Why do I don't you want know these people. Me? And not only that, you don't know these people. You're talking about compassion with a category, right? You don't know them. Why do they want your compassion? Mm-hmm. Why do you need my support? You don't know me. You don't care about mm-hmm. me, right? Why do you need right. my uh, advocacy yeah. or solidarity? And it's like, why do people why? have more compassion for that mm-hmm. than they do for like their grocery store clerk who bags their groceries yeah. every yeah, day? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Me- your local businesses, right. your local dry cleaner that you, you see them three times a week. Right. But this idea, we have to question this because this is something that's been programmed. We're just programmed to compassion. Wait a second. Yeah. I'm not saying being mean. I'm just doing, I'm living my life. Why are you going to get in my business and tell me I have to go have compassion? I don't have enough energy to have compassion with all these people, right? <clears throat> Who has time for this? And what does that And it's all mean? fake. Right? I, well, lie, it's all fake. It's all of it has become like this fake thing. Compassion. Oh, you, well, hold on a second. Do you know how many other things you should have compassion for? You're going to be exhausted from compassion by the end of this. If we apply that yeah. to things that are far worse. Right, if we buy this standard of of, of care, we don't, no, we don't care. Know? We don't care about the stuff overseas. Yeah, forget that. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> let let the bombs fall on children. Mm-hmm. Let Israel expropriate all of Palestine's land, and you know, bomb bomb the Muslims there and the Christians too. By the way, yeah, bomb them to hell. It doesn't matter. By the way, I've gotten gotten into this discussion online with Christians, and I'll be like, "How are you supporting this? Yeah. Palestinian Christians are being victimized." Yeah, and there's like no response. They're like, "The Jews are our allies." Israel is our closest ally and there's a democracy in the Middle East. A democracy that excludes people based on, yeah. on ethnicity. Don't understand. <laughs> um, I'm so glad those discussions are online. I was going to say something with regards to um, the... the oh, oh, I remember now. So let me give you an example because I think I brought it up some, some weeks back on our group. Is 
people talk about compassion and and I've recently heard and I got into a long argument with somebody about this as well is you know you have for example gay Muslims right <clears throat> someone who is struggling with their struggles and they come to the masjid and say hey you know I need like a support group uh, type thing where you know I can bond with my other Muslim brothers who are also gay right? or just <laughs> that, that wait 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 oh, when I was a single Muslim sounds wrong when I, when yeah, I was a right. young exactly. handsome Hispanic single <laughs> yeah. Muslim mm-hmm. right I didn't go to the message and be like I need a support group mm-hmm. for other dudes mm-hmm. that are like turning down single women at dudes. work yeah <laughs> like what are you talking about man right <laughs> but but so and I lived in Patterson listen I really love mental toughness like it's the best quality you could have. Mashallah. Right? Isn't it the best quality? Like yeah. absolutely. Your mind needs to be tougher than your body. Unless right? you're an Olympic athlete, then you're, <laughs> then it's stunning and brave to not yeah. be mentally strong. Yeah. <laughs> so isn't it? Um, I think you, sometimes you're doing people a favor. Uh-huh. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with yourself. Right? All, and I as like uh, refereeing all day. Tough uh, enough. Th- yeah. Three kids. <clears throat> I have a limit now. Okay. There's certain things I'll intervene in. Other things you got to deal with it. You got to figure it out. Oh, I lost this. I lost my water bottle. Go do it. Right? Why am I going to get involved with that? Right? Mm-hmm. If I do, I make it worse for you. So this, there is an excess of compassion that's possible. Right? There is an excess. And to go and seek compassion from a complete stranger, something's terribly wrong in this situation. Mm-hmm. Not to seek it, but to demand it. Oh, demand right? it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a whole different ballgame. You right? have to be nice yeah. to me right now. Right. By the or way, else. It's the same mentality as... You have to, whatever the point, whatever position you take on 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 these on these issues, right? Yeah. You have to stay in your house. You have to <laughs> lose your job. You have to wear a mask. Oh. You have to take a, an emergency use authorized vac- mm-hmm. vaccination, Dis- what, despite whatever side effects may or may not exist, and despite whatever your condition is. Yeah. There's some girl who lost a full a four year scholarship to the university. Because she had uh, GBS, Guillain Barr syndrome, yeah. So she can't take about a vaccine. A vaccine, right? And her <laughs> doctor told told the university she can't. They were like, "Well, you're gonna have to go somewhere else because you got to take this vaccine." Like, it, and literally, it could kill her if she takes it. They're like, it's "Better off, better off that than you get this disease that so, 18 year olds do just fine with." So I and, mean, and the pattern in everything that Alex just mentioned is like, is compulsion, right? Yes. And so why why doesn't yes. compassion extend to other people not compelling me to do things, yeah. right? Why, why, why isn't that uh, form of compassion extended to other people then, right? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what to do. How about uh-huh. that? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I don't have Be a, compassionate and not have, telling me what to do. I don't care if people wear masks. I don't care if people get this vaccine. I don't care if people take all kinds of measures. I don't care if people keep their kids home. I don't care if like that reporter in Canada, insane person, <laughs> who said her and her husband were wearing masks 24-7 in their house, sleeping in separate bedrooms, and their two-year-old in a separate bedroom, and their two-year-old never sees them without a mask because the, because the kid has to go to daycare. So they're so terrified that the kid is going to get sick and then bring it to their house. In the winter, windows open to get ventilation and cleaned out the basement in case one of them gets sick and they have to like wow. go quarantine in their basement. <laughs> wow. So And this is a reporter who covers COVID for some newspaper yeah. in Canada. So I don't care if that's how you want to live. Just get the hell out of my life. Yeah. Get out of my business. If you're terrified, go Some hide somewhere. Right? You're going to die regardless, and you're going to die when Allah chooses for you to die. So go off and do it. And before, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but before you know, people go, oh, you're such a, you know, whatever. My uncle died from COVID very early on in, in March of last year or April. April, actually. Uh, my brother's mother-in-law 
and uh, my other uncle got very, got very sick. He never got diagnosed because he was out of the country. Um, but it may have been it may have been that, or it may have been something else that he died from cardiac arrest. But he was very sick and in the hospital. So it's not that I'm unaware of this, but all those people were elderly. All those people were in terrible uh, physical shape. They were overweight. They were also in terrible health. Like had multiple comorbidities: heart disease, type two diabetes, you know, etc. So I understand that this is a real disease and that people um, can get harmed. Uh, what I'm seeing here is values are off the rails. There's right? a correlation, right? I mean, that's I think yeah. that's why Alex brought it Fear up. Fear yeah, exactly. is off the rails. No. Yeah. Compassion <laughs> is off the rails. Right. Um, you know, these things are off the rails, right? And and, and that's where what, when you guys freed yourself, like when the civilization freed itself or they thought they freed itself from a religious worldview, you freed yourself, but you're now completely untethered to anything. And that's what, what we're looking for is here is is where 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 are the where are the rails on these things, you know? Compassion has its place. It's not an absolute thing. You have to go have compassion without demanding it from people and having that to be the number one thing with from strangers, mm-hmm. right? Well, something's around, wrong with you. These these young Muslims walking around thinking that they have more rahmah than Allah. Yeah. Like, what do you? Where do you get off? Well, yeah. even in secular society, compassion has its limits, right? So, uh, and and those limits are defined by secular law. So people wouldn't extend compassion to a murderer, yeah. right? Or a serial killer, mm-hmm. right? And so because the law defines uh, those acts to be heinous and punishable, yep. uh, so people are not going to extend the compassion to anything that society deems uh, wrong or worthy of punishment. Yep. In the same way, w- we have our own set of right and wrong that we get from Allah, and compassion doesn't extend beyond those bounds. That's true. So why is it? Why is that such a hard concept to grasp for people? I, I, I'll, I'll, I, I want to bring it back specifically to answer that question. The, the reason why it's a hard concept is because people do not understand epistemology. Mm-hmm. People have no idea where they're getting their knowledge from. And, and, and to give this example of this like Canadian reporter, I, I don't know the story or whatever, but that sounds crazy. Uh, but the idea is when it comes to risk tolerance, right, and how much you should you know, understand risk, we have a standard within our framework, right, is, okay, take the means, but then have tawakkul. Yeah. Right? This is a standard, and you can apply it all across. And some, some people can have different understandings of what, you know, the, the risk and tawakkul is. But, you know, I would say most Muslims still operate within a general uh, field of like, okay, you know, nobody's going so far extreme and nobody's yeah. going so far, you know, on the left or on this, right? Whereas, you know, these people, right, who have completely let go of all tradition, let go of any values that define, that any epistemology of any knowledge, right, what happens to them is they have no longer any framework to define fear. Yeah. On no framework on to define safety. No, so they just they just like completely just curl up in a ball. Yeah. And like or, that woman who or, was like or you become know, mad, insane authoritarians. Or, yeah, yeah, or that, or that. And the thing is, some norms, certain things are not uh, sacred truths. Certain yeah. anything that's a measure. For example, what's too much? Uh, what's excessive materialism? Right. All these things. There's no measure for this. The measure is in your community, right? If you go to the masjid and you go to five, ten different masjid and you're throughout the year, right, on a regular basis, those people who pray and fast and attend those mosques, they inform us of those unwritten norms, right? Like what's excessively bad eating? 
you're going to only know that by being around you know different people what's excessive now let's say in moral sense materialism what's excessive in you know where what's the right way to walk without being overconfident and smug and um hunched over right Mm -hmm. how do i know these things what's excess of fear what's excess of security you only know but secular societies they where did where do people get that now the bar i don't what is it the club the workplace the school if you don't have a lot of friends then guess what it's going to be social media and social media is this thing is hacked right increasingly it's the white house spokesperson Mm -hmm. and and, and let me ask you guys like one of the last people you want to be the guy for anything. And I'm not talking about this specific one, any of them ever. Like their job is to lie to the press and the public. Let me, let me ask you guys this question because I I think it, it, it really shows something over this last, you know, year and a half, the COVID stuff and, and, and how to understand risk and fear. I found that scholars and students of knowledge, when you meet them in person, almost almost across the board operate on a much more like tawakul type basis, right? I, you know, I, I've noticed a much more laxity with regards to the social distancing, the masks, all this, all across the board. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you guys agree? Like, you know, I, and I'm not saying they haven't taken any precautions, but I have noticed the level of fear is absolutely less amongst the scholarly crowd and the students of knowledge crowd. Uh, if you go to a, 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 like a, a pious group of uh, a Muslim brothers and sisters, right? Yeah, the fear, the fear is definitely going to be much less. Right. Like the, uh, it's it's going to be shameful to be afraid of a creation to that degree. You can take as many precautions or not take precautions, right? That's going to be again based on your environment, right, and leadership. But fear of a created thing to this degree. Likewise, when Trump was elected, we, oh, I have to have a town hall. We had a town hall, but one of the things, hold on, this is a created being here. Mm-hmm. Right, you you can't you have a degree of fear to a, of a created being. I mean, if if there's a dog right outside, right a rabid dog, you're gonna be afraid, right? To a certain point, after about twenty four hours or two two hours even, right? Okay, halas, this is a created being. We're gonna have to deal with this, right? Allah's gonna be with us. At the moment, you might be afraid. So, as as uh, <laughs> as Ibn Atat says, as long as you're alive, there's gonna be degree. There's gonna be anxieties. Yeah. But we measure it completely. The, at a moment when that thing dissipates, say, oh, there's Allah. And that's when is it going to dissipate? Probably the next wudu, right? Mm-hmm. Next time you wash your face with cold water, wake up. There's Allah. Get over it. Right. Deal and, with this situation. And, and that's why it's interesting because the, the more sort of pious religious folks and students of knowledge that have been around, because they understand these principles, mm-hmm. right? They understand what it means to have a healthy balance of uh, tying your camel and tawakkul, mm-hmm. right? It, it, and they understand all of this because they're, they they have understood the science of epistemology. Mm-hmm. Like they have understood epistemology, right? And, and where to get their knowledge from. Whereas when you see people who are just living this sense of fear, even Muslims who are sort of on the liberal left-leaning bent or the right-leaning bent, really, uh, you have this... Horseshoe mis- theory. Or, or, right. Or you have this really... Uh, uh, misunderstood application of the deen because they're not operating from the principles of the deen. They're operating on a completely different framework. Everything, even the oppressor, when one scholar was pinned down finally and he's, you know, the guard has him and he's got a dog right on top of him, right? When he's holding the leash of the dog. He's like, what do you think now? Who is in control now? He said, you are in control by Allah's permission, right? Like, you're in control of me. You can kill me right now by Allah's permission, right? Because Allah is allowing this to happen. Right. 
Likewise, when we see all these people disobeying Allah, they're disobeying Allah because Allah's allowed it to happen. And you don't will anything except that Allah wills it. One of the meanings is everything that you could possibly do is in Allah's plan. That's it. Right? So to a degree, to that degree, we will be have fear and, and be scared at certain points and be nervous at certain points. But the thing is, to what extreme and for how long? To what degree will we be scared? And for how long will we be scared? We'll be scared for like, it's definitely got to be a shorter amount of time than someone who doesn't have Allah. Simple as that. Or else, what's the, we, you don't have your man then, right? I mean, if you look at any, any treatise on the disease of the heart, cowardice is very high on the list. And courage is the, on, the, on the opposite list, the, the list of virtues. Like This is a, mm -hmm. a, a core value of Islam, is that you are courageous and you're not a coward. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you don't take precautions, that you're not safe, that you don't do rational, reasonable things. But to be literally, to express cowardice and absolute fear of other than Allah, mm. it's ridiculous. Especially fear of death. Mm -hmm. yeah. These are the things. Love of dunya and fear of death, right? Mm. Yeah. They're like the two limbs that, dry, that, that, that allow you to walk towards leaving, leaving this deen and ending mm -hmm. up in, in outside of it. Mm -hmm. Because you love the dunya and you're afraid of dying. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for that. If the, Muslims hadn't been, if the Muslims had been that way, there would be no Islam. Mm -hmm. Because the Quraysh would have said, stop that, you're ruining our business, and they would have said, sorry. You're right. And courage exists after fear right like the idea of fear that we're all afraid now that's almost like a proof because we're all afraid we all feel the same thing then you see somebody get over his fear and be able to act right it's not to get over the fear like I have, I'm totally fine with this line that's in my face no yeah. but he's over his fear enough to be able to act and change the situation that's what courage is that person who has courage has fear inside him yeah but he's hopeful and believing in something stronger than that right right and that's that's why he becomes a proof of iman the courageous person becomes a proof of iman because we all felt what he felt but he found somehow to get over that and take action and that action helped us all out so he becomes a hujja he becomes a proof at that point by the way there's also an inverse to what alex was talking about which is being an abject fear of of something that's created it's uh putting something that's created on too high of a pedestal as being a savior mm -hmm. as well, right? Like we're, we're super scared of this one thing, but this other thing is going to save us. This is our salvation, right? It swings. Seeking, right, exactly. Yeah. Seeking salvation from other than what you know is the highest power. And that's, so, that's the opposite side. And right. someone who has that fear, you know they're going to do that other opposite too. They're going to have hope in a created being. Talk about horseshoe theory, both coming out of a lab. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I know we could we could go on to the, on this topic for a long time, but uh, you know I, I think this was this is a good place to to kind of uh, you know end this discussion on epistemology because you know I think that the next uh, areas that you know I, uh, you know I think it'd be a great idea to go into as we you know have done previously in the past is really you know how this stuff really leads into understanding our aqaid and our principles and mm -hmm. and, and and how we understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then you know from from that really understanding how we understand the, the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and and the, the proofs of prophethood um so any final points that you guys have uh, that you want to bring up well i think just as being a, you know one of these first episodes that we're back into this is uh, always looking back at our purpose mm -hmm. right and always looking back to the prophet and if you need a proof but you can't think too much or read too much because it does take a lot of reading you just tell yourself 
uh, a quarter of the Earth's population is not going to be dumb, right? They're going to be onto something, and that's the number of Muslims right now. So if you want just a raw look at the world, the Prophet is the most followed person on the Earth right now, right? Who is there? The Christians, of course, you could say they are more if you combine the Catholics and the Protestants. Right. And the practicing and not practicing. <clears throat> and if you separate then out like half of the Protestants, you know, they're secular, right? They're, they're not taking their example from Jesus. When we talk about Islam, you know, we're talking about literally taking how you live based on the Prophet, peace be upon him, on top with all these major issues uh, from the Prophet's example, from the Quran. So he's the most followed man on the earth right now, unless someone wants to bring something else, right? I don't, uh, is there anyone else out there as a single individual? Right, and he's given he's given people guidance on economics, spirituality, um, health, nutrition, health, family, friendship, even right, what everything like there's everything. not a even single matters thing. like cleansing, right? Like yeah, hygiene. Is, you know, hygiene, 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 tahara. Like, yeah. I mean these these topics that you know you you would consider hygiene, you know, fitness, battle, <laughs> battle, <laughs> politics, safety, divorce, masculinity, courage, gentleness, yeah, compa- true compassion, yeah, love and mm-hmm. hate for the sake of Allah, yeah. So I mean, the, the, if you want a really quick uh, thing that you get a doubt, well, hold on a second. If we love everyone, the idea of everyone else is doing it. Right, that idea it's it applies to the Prophet If you're gonna if you're ever gonna use that, that's the right place to use it. Right. <clears throat> so. All right, uh, gentlemen, brothers and sisters, thank you for listening. Uh,